Welcome back to Stats Made Simple. I'm your host, Carlton Dennis, and today we are gonna go over LLC tax audit defense. If you are a new business owner, then you probably already know how scary it is to manage your own taxes. And what's even scarier is knowing that the IRS can audit you if you screw up managing your own taxes. Now, there are a couple of things that you should be doing if you were to ever get into an IRS audit, but there are absolutely some things that you should be doing before you go down getting into an IRS audit. So in this video today, we're gonna go over IRS audit techniques inside of an LLC that you need to leverage to avoid getting yourself caught up with the IRS. Let's get started. Now, if you're an LLC owner, you've done a really good thing. You've separated the liability from yourself, which means your personal assets are no longer inside of your business, so you have that asset protection. But one thing you have to realize is that if you move money out of your business bank account to your personal account, and the IRS decides to audit you, all of your accounts are now susceptible to the IRS, which means if you have money as a taxpayer, they're gonna come to collect it. So one of the things that we have to understand is, why would we ever want to allow the IRS to come after our money? We don't, and we wanna make sure that we're setting up the best practices and procedures inside of our business so the IRS can't come knocking on our door or we don't get these little notices that come in the mail. So let's talk a little bit more about it. Audits are different for every single taxpayer, and typically before you get into an audit, there's typically notices that come in the mail. Notices can come in the mail for a wide variety of reasons. Maybe you owe the IRS because you calculated your taxes incorrectly. Maybe you inflated some deductions so the IRS has questions around it. Maybe you didn't put the correct address or the correct social security number on your tax returns. These are the types of items that the IRS typically will send out notices to you for. And if you're receiving a notice, then you have a response that is due back to the IRS. So how should you go about responding to the IRS? What we're gonna do is we're first gonna go over some IRS audit techniques that are gonna put ourselves in a better position. Now, before we ever respond to the IRS, one thing that is going to protect us is having proper books and records. I cannot tell you how many times I've had clients that have shared with me notices or IRS audit letters that they have received and I ask them for their bookkeeping and accounting and they cannot provide me their bookkeeping and accounting. And the reason why they can't provide me their bookkeeping and accounting is because they're not doing it. What they are doing is they're going into their taxpayer's office with all their little receipts and they're letting their tax provider add up all the little different receipts into the tax program and they're filing their return. That is not bookkeeping. And if you get into an IRS audit, all those little receipts that you had, all of a sudden now need to go into some type of documentation so you can show the IRS why you included those deductions into the correct categories that you've chosen to include them in. So if you're just in front of your CPA telling him where to put things on the tax return in front of him during tax time, but then you get audited later and you have to try to remember why those things went into the correct components and you never had documentation to show how your expenses were allocated into particular categories, 
you're going to be in a position where the IRS could possibly win. No, God, please, no, no! Because it's gonna be hard for you to recreate books and records in a fast enough time to be able to justify to the IRS why you took those expenses. Going through an IRS audit can be very expensive when you do not have your books and records in order. And the reason why is because you'll have to hire tax firms like myself to do what's called forensic accounting. Forensic accounting is just like what you might think. We have to go back and be like forensic scientists to figure out what you spent your money on, put together proper books and records for every single month of the year, going back to when the IRS decided to audit you. We're in the year of 2021. The IRS is slow, which means the IRS is probably just now auditing people for 2016, 2017, 2018, which means that if you have not done your bookkeeping going back to 17, 18, and 19, and you get into an IRS audit over one of those years, and you hire an IRS audit protection company to help you get out of the IRS audit, just know that one of the most important things is having your books and records in order. That IRS audit company is not gonna be able to help fight for you if you never took the correct steps to get your proper books and documentation in order. So I cannot stress this enough. Rule number one, is having proper record keeping. Rule number two, keeping your receipts. Today, you guys can call me Cutthroat Carlton because in this video, I am gonna be extremely cutthroat about what things that I want you to be documenting and what things I don't want you to be documenting. And receipts are one of those items I absolutely want you to keep. Here is the reason why. I can give you multiple examples, but this will be the easiest example that you will ever need to know. I had a client that was going through an IRS audit. The IRS asked specifically for her documentation. She did document her expenses inside of QuickBooks. She had everything there. She had her profit and loss statement. She had her Excel sheet. She had her balance sheet. The IRS still wanted to receive the receipt of a big expense that she had. She could not find that receipt to save her life. She had tons of items that she had paid for that day. As a matter of fact, my client actually spent $67,000 on expenses. Of that $67,000, the IRS wanted to know what it was on. She did not have the receipt. All that she had was the expense of $67,000 that went out the door that year that was accounted for on her QuickBooks. It all went down under supplies. What supplies did she spend $67,000 on all at one time? The IRS wanted to know. Without having proper documentation, you will not be able to win these IRS audits. Receipts are the easiest things for us to take pictures of. The IRS does not state that we have to keep a physical copy of the receipt. We can have a digital copy of the receipt. So now that we are in today's age, 2021, it does make sense for us to take pictures of our receipts in the event that we ever get into an IRS audit. So it's easy for us to just have a folder that we can send over to our tax provider and say, hey, here's all the photos that I took for the year. Let them try to get come up on me. Number three, documenting meals over $75. If you are out eating, I already discussed why it's important to have receipts, but even more so, it's important to document meals that are in excess of $75. When you're eating out or you're having items that you're paying for that are in excess of $75, it is a great best practice to flip your receipt over and just write down what the meal was about, who you were with, and what was discussed. It is so important that you do this because most business owners who are having a lot of business meals will not keep copies of their receipts and the government attacks business owners for their business meals because they know business owners do not like to keep copies of the receipts. 
So rather than being just like every other business owner who throws their receipt away and then comes tax time, still wants to take the deduction, be a safe business owner who does take pictures of the receipts, takes that extra step to protect their wealth, and then they can take their expenses without fear of the IRS. Number four, correct travel documentation. This one's important because in tax planning, I like coaching people on how to have the correct documentation when they're traveling so that they're never in a position of fear when they're traveling. You see, when you're a business owner, you need to be able to travel places to go engage with other individuals to conduct business. That's okay, but how you travel is so important. And the reason why I say that is because I want you guys to understand something. If the IRS decides to audit you, it may not come in the same year you file your tax return. It could come four or five years down the road. So if you traveled back in 2016 and you don't remember what you were traveling for, but it's just showing up on your tax returns, this is where we can get into a situation. I want to make sure that we are at least documenting our traveling trips in the correct way so that we're protecting ourselves and we are setting up the correct seat. For many of my real estate investors or for many of my real estate agents who are traveling to different places, one of the things that they're doing is they're documenting the conversations that they're having with their clients that they're going to go see. Typically they're documenting them over text message and over email. If you have emails where you're discussing business with someone who's maybe in Florida or New York that you're planning on traveling to go see, that is a paper trail showing the IRS that you were making plans to go out there. Okay. I have my clients take screenshots of emails and save them in a travel folder called travel emails. Makes it very easy for us if we're ever in an IRS audit to just say, hey, here's all the screenshots for the year of 2021 of all the conversations that we had travel related. By the way, here are all the travel receipts and travel tickets and flight notes. Now we are setting up a scene. Not to mention, if you are going through tax planning, you'll know that an advanced strategy to protect yourself is taking pictures once you are at your location. This is one of the easiest ways to show the IRS that you actually went to the destination that you said you were going to and that you were conducting business. You can take a photo with the business owner who you wish to conduct business with or inside of the coffee shop in which you're, you're having a business meal in. So it's so important that you also take it upon yourself to consider taking photos anytime you are traveling. Last but not least, if you're gonna travel, please make sure that if it's over the weekend that you stay until Monday. If you're traveling through the weekend and some of those days may not all be business, we wanna make sure we can write off everything, correct? So we wanna make sure that we're staying until Monday if we're traveling over the weekend. Let's go over an example of correct travel documentation. In this photo right here, you see I went out to have lunch with one of my clients, his name is Todd Johnson, great guy. I went out to lunch with him in Beverly Hills. One of the things that I did is I made sure I documented this meal that I had with him. I turned around, pulled out my iPhone, and took a photo of this meal that I had. I knew I was gonna be spending over $75, so I made sure I wrote on the back of the receipt what we discussed. If I'm ever in the event of an IRS audit, I now have that photo of when I ate out with him and the receipt all saved in the same folder on my computer so that way I'm never in a position where I get five years down the road and I can't remember that meal deduction that I took back in 2021. So these are some of the best practices that you can leverage. Obviously it takes additional steps to do these types of things, but if you want to be in a place where you're living without fear, you will take the additional time to do this with your tax accountant. Number five, proper use of the home office. There are a lot of taxpayers that are afraid to take the home office deduction 
part of the reason why is because a lot of taxpayers used to get audited going back to 2002 and 2003 because they were having improper use of the home office. But now here in 2021, there are more people working from home than ever. It does make sense to take the home office deduction if you qualify for it, but how you go about taking the home office deduction is extremely important. I know that we've talked about the home office deduction in other videos, getting the square footage of your home and also getting the square footage of your home office space and making sure that you divide that number so you have that percentage and you're taking all expenses associated with your home. But one of the things that I wanna make sure that you're doing to protect yourself from an IRS audit is I wanna make sure that you're taking a picture of your home office. If you have a dedicated space in your home that's strictly used for business, take a picture of that dedicated space. In the event of an audit, you are gonna wanna have that photo. It's so easy for us to win if you have a photo showing that you did have a space that was completely dedicated. And I would recommend taking that photo towards the beginning of the year. Number six, let's properly 1099 our contractors. This one's is gonna be a doozy for some of my business owners because they get into a place where they're hiring these 1099 contractors, but then they're not 1099 in them because the people don't wanna be 1099, but then they wanna take the tax deduction. What do we do? If you're a business owner, you already know the right answer. You shouldn't have hired that person, but I'm not here to slap you on the wrist. I'm here to tell you what you should do if you get into an IRS audit and how to protect yourself would be making sure that you are filling out a W-9 form before issuing the 1099 to the people that you have that are contractors working inside your business. This comes up in audits all the time because most business owners aren't 1099. And I'm telling you right now that that's not a good practice to do. The government makes it very easy for us to just issue 1099s and it's something you should issue whether or not they have a social security number. So please make sure that you're issuing all 1099s to your contractors so you don't get in an audit situation where you get audited for not providing the 1099s. Number seven, trying to negotiate before filing. This is an error by many taxpayers. They will get on the phone with an IRS agent or someone from the help desk, and now they're trying to negotiate what they owe and figure it all out when they're not in compliance. When you are owing the IRS, it is so important that you first make sure that all of your tax returns are filed before you try to go negotiate. I look at it like boarding an airplane and showing up to TSA without your driver's license. If you go to get on an airplane, the TSA is gonna tell you, go back home and grab your driver's license. And so is the IRS if you are trying to negotiate. You need to have your tax returns filed and you need to be in compliance before you can negotiate an offer and compromise or a payment plan. So this is so important to think about before you go out and try to get on the phone and give the IRS information First, just make sure that all returns have been filed because they are not gonna be able to negotiate with you unless you're in tax compliance. Number eight, use of the correct filing status and social security numbers. Filing statuses get thrown out the door all the time. And here's the reason why. Many taxpayers believe they're head of households when they shouldn't be head of households. It's a conundrum that comes up on the tax returns all the time, especially for individuals who are divorced. God forbid you go through a divorce, but if you go through a situation where you have a child that qualifies as a dependent, you need to understand whether or not you're gonna be filing single for one year and head a household in the next year based on the agreement that you've established with your previous spouse. If your spouse that is no longer married to you is claiming the child or children that you had on the tax return, he qualifies or she qualifies as the head of household, which means that if you're not providing that support that year and they're taking the head of household deduction, you do not qualify for head of household. That means you qualify to be a single taxpayer. This is something that's very, very important to understand. Head of household requires certain qualifications if you're gonna take that status. 
And if you decide to file your tax returns, you could get into a situation where you're claiming at a household status when you didn't qualify to claim a pet household status, and this could trigger an IRS audit. So we always wanna make sure that we understand the differences in filing statuses, what qualifies as a dependent and what doesn't qualify as a dependent so we're not getting ourselves into a pickle. Last but not least, I'm gonna go over some advanced audit techniques, just in case that you guys get into a situation where it comes down to you understanding what you need to do mentally to get yourself out of it. I just want you to have a better idea of how I think as a tax provider. So let's go over this. Number one, never give data to the IRS without speaking to an accountant first. When you are approached by the IRS, it's different than being in a courtroom. In a courtroom, you're innocent until proven guilty. With the IRS, you're guilty until proven innocent. So if you get on the phone trying to negotiate and handle the tax situation with the IRS yourself because they're being so nice and so friendly with you and they're trying to help you, I promise you, you are not winning. The IRS are bill collectors. Their whole sole job is to collect money from you. Them being nice is what they are doing on purpose so they can get to a place where they obtain information from you. So one thing I am making sure that I harp on in this video is that you speak with a tax provider before you decide to negotiate with the IRS. Number two, file your tax returns before hiring a representation company. I understand that many taxpayers had hiccups and life situations, past family members that might've passed away and you just went in through a real big hurdle or headache. I totally get it, I totally understand and I feel for you. What I want you to understand is that there are tons of representation companies out there that are gonna offer to help you. They're gonna try to alleviate some of the debt. They're gonna tell you that they're gonna get on the phone with the IRS and that they're gonna be able to solve the whole damn issue for you. What I want you to understand is before you go and let one of these soul searchers heal your soul and everything that's happened with your IRS problems, that you have gotten yourself into IRS compliance first. I said in this video earlier that I was gonna be Cutthroat Carlton and it's starting to show right now. And I'm very passionate about people paying professionals that they don't need to pay yet for services that they don't need yet. Keep in mind that the IRS cannot negotiate with you if you haven't filed all your tax returns. So if you haven't filed returns going back to 2014 and you're talking to this IRS audit protection company about how you need to get out of this IRS pickle, just know that they can't do anything for you to alleviate the amounts you owe until all of your tax returns have been filed. Then you can do an offering compromise or get on a payment plan or try to get a resolve. So that is so important. Last but not least, number three, figure out if your taxes need to be amended before you approach the IRS. This is key because you have to realize the IRS could make mistakes. Just because they're questioning something on your tax returns doesn't mean that they are right. So we need to make sure that we're sitting down with the tax professional, having our tax returns reviewed for discrepancies or missed opportunity. Discrepancies are mistakes. We wanna know if there's any mistakes that we can quickly address and refile with the tax authorities. Or if we have missed opportunities where we can refile our tax return and reduce the amount we owe, even though the IRS could be saying that they're auditing us. This is an opportunity for you. Just because you're getting audited does not mean that you could end up losing the IRS audit and come out paying the IRS money. We have multiple case studies where we have one IRS audits and the IRS ended up paying us more because all they did was just give us more time to figure out how to reduce the client's tax bill. Tax strategy is so important, but it starts off with having education. As you guys watched this video today, we went over multiple scenarios, but most of it came down to mentality. What is your mentality gonna be when the IRS approaches you? Are you gonna run towards them like a dog with the tail stuck between your legs? Or are you gonna approach it head on knowing that you have options and solutions to protect yourself? My name is Carlton Dennis, and if you like this video today, I'd like for you to like, comment, subscribe so I can make more videos like this for you, and it'll help out the YouTube algorithm. I'll see you on the next one.